Hi, I'm Brews News Editor Matt Kirkegaard, and thanks to your malt mates at Cryo Malt, this is Beer is a Conversation. Beer is a Conversation is our weekly sit-down with some of the people who make the beer industry the interesting and dynamic thing that it is. And through these conversations, we dig a little deeper into the stories behind the business of beer and brewing. This week, I chat with Paul Halsey, CEO of UK's Purity Brewing. Regular listeners will know that we tend to have a preference for local beer on Radio Brews News. As a rule, beer doesn't travel well, and as we become more environmentally aware, it seems inconsistent to seek out beers that have travelled thousands of kilometres when local versions exist. Which leads us to Paul and Purity Brewing. Purity and Prancing Pony, now there's some alliteration, have entered an agreement to brew their beers reciprocally to ensure a reduced carbon footprint and to support and encourage sustainable beer production. And Paul is currently in Australia to brew the initial batch of Purity's Session IPA with Prancing Pony. In a week that many in the brewing industry are sending the message that there are no beers on a dead planet, we thought it worth sitting down with Paul, at least sitting down by Skype, to find out more about Purity and its arrangement with Prancing Pony. As always, it's a fascinating conversation, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Paul Horsey, welcome to Radio Brews News. Well, nice to meet you, Mark. Thank you for uh, (laughs) taking the time to speak to me. No troubles at all. Well, uh, I'm speaking to you because uh, Karina from Prancing Pony put us in touch. Um, I understand you're out here... Uh, brewing with them at the moment, and also to sign an agreement uh, or enter in, to confirm an agreement to brew your beers reciprocally um, you know, on either side of the the world to reduce your carbon footprint. Absolutely, yeah. So um, arrived on Wednesday last week, um, acclimatised, no jet lag, which was a, a result. So I slept a good sleep on the way from Dubai to here. Um, yeah, and we're brewing session um ipa on friday with uh frank at at prancing pony so um yeah we've been looking for some time uh at the australasian market uh from our end and and distributing out here and and we were struggling with time of getting across the ocean to get the beer in the consumer's hands and we were just nervous it could take up to four months before consumer tastes that beer and it just wasn't going to be fresh enough so we, we were kind of really they didn't feel comfortable with that. And um, about a year ago, I was approached by uh, an exec uh, who sits on the board with Prancing Pony, Colin Dudley. And um, Colin uh, knew us in the UK uh, and said, look, this is what they're looking to do in terms of uh, Australia coming to the UK. And, and then it just kind of kind of, kind of snowboard from there. Um, Karina and Frank came to visit us. We both realized we've got the same brew kit so we have a Braucon Bavarian brew kit exactly the same as um, what they have at Prancing Pony although ours is a little bit bigger um, as a 60 hectoliter plant and um, yeah we currently brew about 50,000 hectoliters per annum on that and we're a bit more mature in terms of history we, we've got 14 years under our belt so far um, but yeah it just made no sense no brainer really for us because Purity is big on sustainability. We were sustainable manufacturer in the UK in 2015, and we we're runner-up in 16. And that's not just in the brewing industry; that's all manufacturing. So we're, we're big on sustainability. So that that carbon footprint was really, really key to to us. And uh, 
as soon as I met Karina and Frank and um, I, I knew um, the relationship was going to work and obviously I've been over here what five days now and, and it's just really cemented what we're trying to do and uh, yeah we're, we're excited about it we brewed Frank and Karina came over in November and brewed Hot Work Orange with us um, and that was the first time they ever brewed it into cast beer so we went into um, our market is purity is 50% of our, our beers are in cast beer handpool beer uh, served under gravity uh, live <laughs> um, so um, yeah th- that was really exciting for them and then we brewed it twice more and, and we put that into keg uh, being received very very well excellent look you've thrown out a lot of information there so we might sort of unpack a little bit of that because uh, I was astounded to hear um Purity Brewing is 14 years old. So, you know, a, a lot of people tend to think of the craft brewing movement. Uh, you know, Real Ale, England has a um, very strong history of uh, Real Ale, but the, the, the craft breweries, you know, seem to have really sprung up in the last half decade. So tell us a little bit about your background and how you came to be uh, running Purity Brewing. Yeah, so um, my background is working for... Well, I suppose what you'd call blue chip, big big brewing company. So I worked for what was the biggest global brewer um, 30 years ago in terms of Bass. So I, I was a graduate there. I've background in sales and marketing. So uh, six years there, and then I became a sales director for a regional brewer. Did that, what, four and a bit years. And then I had my own bars and restaurants, but we operated at quite a high level of food and drink, so just below, I, I don't know if you have the Bib Gourmand in Australia, probably do, it's just below a Michelin star. It's, it's quality food at, at accessible prices, and, but we always did really interesting wines and beers, so I've always been a massive advocate of, of beer, and I think after doing five or six years in retail, I, I really missed the, the beer industry. I really wanted to get back to it, so um, with my business partner, Jim, who was another graduate of Bass, we decided to form Purity Brewing Company in 2005, uh, based around trying to create, um, you're right, the UK has a, a rich tapestry and, and heritage around cast beer and, and a fantastic brewing heritage. And, you know, Bass was probably the one of the leaders in that. You know, Draft Bass is an iconic, or was an iconic brand. Uh, he's only, I don't know, you don't see it anymore. He may see it on export. So we wanted to create a company that was modern in, in its approach, sustainable at the heart of it, but created modern beers. And when I say modern beers, craft beer 14 years ago hadn't really hit the shores of the UK. Um, And I would say it's really exploded over the last five years in the UK. We don't see ourselves as craft. We see ourselves as a premium artesian producer of beer and who's got a modern approach to brewing. So we make fresh, approachable beers that really wanted that we wanted to attract younger people. And I say younger people, I'm talking people in the 20, 30 year olds and equally male and female. And we elevated beer. We, we, we took beer. We, I think we probably got a beer menu in six mission style restaurants at the moment. So we try to elevate beer to where wine was in the UK and we, we've been successful with it. So what was your insight that saw, you know, I, I think when you see something take off as a lot of people have in Australia, they've become, passionate about beer and thought, gee, that's something I'd like to be in. What was your insight that led to you guys being so far ahead of the curve? As you mentioned, it wasn't even called craft beer then, and you don't refer to yourself as craft brewers, but there must have been some insight that this was something that was going to be uh, an up-and-coming category. Well, I think there's two key reasons why the success. One is progressive beer duty. In the UK, if you produce 
less than 60 brewers barrels, which are 100 hex a week, you get a 50% reduction on your duty bill. So there's an incentive uh, for startups, SME, small businesses like us, to get into beer and, and brew beer. The big second one is I, I felt uh, there was a big opportunity for younger people, those 20 and 30 year olds, and, and, and equally male and female, to be engaged with beer, which they weren't being engaged. So, you know, typically cast beer, going back 30 years ago, was very male. Uh, it, it was guys in the 40s and 50s, and, and you could look at them with big beards and, and sandals, and, and it wasn't very cool. <laughs> um, you know, it just wasn't. And, you know, uh, but, you know, we kind of challenged the market. We dropped the temperature. You know, I've, I've been quite shocked coming here, the temperature of your beer, but I, I, I know why, because you're, you're, you're so hot. It's so hot in the summer, and you need to have a cool, refreshing beer. And we don't obviously have those temperatures, but I always felt cast beer going back 15, 20 years ago was too warm in the UK. So we've gone on a mission to drop it by two or three degrees. We serve our cast beer um, chilled, uh, probably around about eight um, to nine degrees. Most cast beers in the UK served around 11 degrees. So we, we've made it more refreshing and interesting. And at the same with our keg beers, they're, they're really interesting, refreshing style of beers. Not, not overly hot, they're not hot bombs, but they're really approachable good, easy drinking beers. This episode of Beer is a Conversation is brought to you by Unleashed Software. Unleashed is more than inventory management software for brewers. It's a system that runs your whole business operations and gives you an unfair advantage. With Unleashed, you can create custom recipes, effortlessly track your cereal and batch numbers, and understand your stock levels at all times at every location. Learn how Unleash can help you run and grow your brewery at unleashsoftware.com forward slash brew. And how do you get around that challenge? Uh, you, you talked about the perception of craft beer that I think you described rather aptly. It confirms uh, what a lot of people think. But the other challenge that uh, Real Ale had was the variability of it once it was in uh, in, in, in the hotel, in, in the pub. If they weren't looking after it, if yeah. they weren't getting through it, um, it could oxidise and go towards vinegar very, very quickly. And how do you deal with that part of the equation? Yeah, the, the thing with cast beer, and you can see why craft beers took, took off because most craft brewers in the UK don't produce a cast beer, handful beer, because... It's too much like hard work. Uh, the price points aren't great. You can get better price points in craft keg. Um, and there's no hiding place. If, if, if you're not getting the throughput or you're not passionate on, on how you look after cast beer, it will oxidize. You know, if you put it on sale, it needs to be sold within two days. Otherwise, it will oxidize. Um, but equally, there are some great pubs that cast beer is completely unique to and, and it, we are still seeing growth in our business in premium cast beer you know there's definitely it's a complete unique on trade experience you can't do cast beer at home you have to go to the pub to experience it it's not for everyone but where you do it right and where they're passionate about it it is a brilliant brilliant experience of of, 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 of a beer and it's not served at ridiculous cold temperature you get really good flavor profile out of it and and when you get the condition right you get real drinkability as well with, with not high co2 content 
admittedly, I, I don't want to have it warm. I want it chilled, but it's, it's probably not cold enough for you guys out here when we serve it at eight degrees. But then when again, you get it's, it right, it's a brilliant then, then A good summer's day can often only be 12 degrees, which is, uh, you know, a, a, a very cold winter's day here. So, so there aren't climatic differences. Mm. A prancing pony now, and it's 10 degrees outside. It's bloody freezing. I was at 27 degrees yesterday. So, yeah, look, for me, cast, there, there is a fantastic opportunity for cast beer still in the UK. It, it's our national drink. It's unique to the UK. Uh, and, and when it's served well and it, there's high throughput, it, it's a brilliant drinking experience. But it's not for everyone, and not everyone can do it. So I think there's some pretty bad experiences of people drinking it where it's oxidised, and you just wouldn't want to drink it again with the other. But, you know, I've had beers over here. You were asking me earlier what's been my um, thoughts of the, the craft beer scene uh, in, uh, in Adelaide. All right, I've only been here five days, but, you know, I've had some great beer. I want to say Prancing Ponies beers, all the beers I've tried, I've been really impressed with. More just on the quality of it and consistency and drinkability. And, and I've had other beers... Um, which I'd say I haven't been that impressed with. Absolutely. So just you started up in 2015. You were well ahead of the craft beer wave. How 2000, did... 2005 we started. Oh, 2005. Sorry, I meant to say 2005. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. You were well ahead of the craft beer wave. How did you find the take-up? Was it a struggle early on or did you pretty much hit the ground running? No, I mean, I, I suppose... Um, I felt really with my background, which is in the brewing industry and roots and market. And, you know, I was from the Midlands and in, in the heart of England, uh, the, the, the instant picker. I also played a lot of sports. So people knew me in rugby and cricket. And, you know, I, 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 I wasn't arrogant. I just thought, right, first year, we'd put a 20-barrel brew plant in, a 30, sorry, 30 hect plant <laughs> in from day one. And um, it, 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 I... I the first year didn't take off as we expected, and, and it was a struggle in the first year. But the second year, once we established the beers, and, and even with these friendships I had with all these bars and restaurants, it, 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 the beer had to do the talking. And ultimately, when the beer started doing the talking, we started winning awards, we started getting local camera awards, then we got international awards, World Brewing Awards, International Beer Challenge Awards. Then it really, really just took off. And I, I think the market really welcomed um, our approach, which was just uh, engaging with new drinkers. And, and, you know, before craft had really started, we were engaging with younger people. We were positioning cast beer in uh, high-end food outlets. Uh, we, 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 were, we were targeting top-end hotels to, to kind of get our beers into. And, and you know, we just, uh, I suppose, elevated beer and got some decent price points as well. We retailed it at a different price point to what other brewers were doing. And um, I think, you know, what, what craft beer has done, they've seen the success of what likes we've done. And I wouldn't say they've copied it, but they, it's given them the confidence to go out there and say, right, if we can pre- produce interesting, uh, innovative beers, there's a consumer that, that wants to engage in that. Now, talk to me about the progressive duty. I know that, uh, I, I think you said, if you make 100 hex a week, which is uh, 10,000 litres a, a week, you get the reduced duty. So at 50,000 hex per year, um, you are well over that progressive duty level. Is that is that correct? Yeah, yeah. It, yeah, absolutely. So we, we are 50,000 hex. So it, 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 if you're below um, 60 brewers barrels, which is um, 100 hex uh, a week, you get a 50% reduction on your duty. Um, 
what we're at 50,000 now, so we're at the near top end of, of, of duty in the UK. So once you go over that uh, 100, um, that, that 60 brewers, 60 brewers barrels, you go into a sliding scale, which is quite severe straight away. So it, it encourages, well, it encourages us to put the foot on the accelerator because once we went through that, we had to pay um, some relatively high duty rates. I've heard it said that there is almost that uh, a ghetto um, when you're at the, the before you go through that level, and it, it's it limits some people because they don't want to go over that limit, but they're not really commercial if they stay under the limit. So if you go through it, you have to go through pretty quickly, don't you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And there's plenty of examples in the UK that, that people stay under it and, and make a good living out of it. You know, particularly when they vertically integrate it into, say, a bar or a pub. Uh, and they own that, and, and, and that's great. But you know, once we went through it, you have to accelerate quite rapidly because it's a massive jump. So it, it's not a slow curve; it's a very steep curve, and then it it, it slows off the higher you get. Um, so it, it encourages you to to go for that growth. But you know, the progressive brewery it was fantastic for us. It enabled us to reinvest into the brewery, into marketing, build a new brewery. Um, and, and, you know, the success is there's nearly 50 people working at Purity now just on the brewing side of the business. Tell me where the uh, name Purity comes from, well, because you, the, the arrangement you've got with uh, Prancing Pony is very much about being environmentally friendly. Is that a outgrowth of the Purity brand? Yeah, totally. Um, it's integrity, really. I, I've been a big fan um, and advocate of the Ryan Hask about the German purity law and, and that's another reason why you know I think Frank and Karina and I clicked straight away I've been working with two breweries from Germany before uh, purity was set up with Veltons Brewery from Sauerland and I worked with Meissel's Brewery you might have seen Meissel's rice beer over in Australia I'm aware of both of those yeah yeah we've got the UK rights um, for Meissel's um, and so I'm just big fans of, of, of quality and, and purity the purity law so you know, we were quite surprised when we registered the trademark that we could get purity, and it it says it on it says what it is on the tin. Really, it, it, it's high levels of integrity, no artificial ingredients, and we care about our environment. You know, that, 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 and that's what purity is. When you were uh, explaining the arrangement with Prancing Pony, and you're going to brew your beers um, in a reciprocal fashion, you did talk about the, you know, the, the, the problems with sending beer halfway around the world um, from a quality of the, the, the beer standpoint. But that's not the only uh, consideration, is it? No, no, of course it's not. But you have to have the faith and the confidence that they can brew Prancing Pony, and, and we can brew to the standard, and we can brew that beer to, to a direct match. Now, for me, it was about the relationship that Prancing Pony can have with their consumers and introduce our brand as well. It's going to be, we, we have to have a relationship with a distributor, a wholesaler, or something like that, and, and it's bloody difficult. Um, but I have to say, the big driver, the actual key driver on this was quality and fresh. And, and there's no doubt I've tasted some beers uh, over here which have been exported that are just not, not a direct representation of that beer when I've tried it fresh in the UK. So uh, I think, it, to me, it's a complete no-brainer. You you have a, a, a light... We do some lightly hot beers. Ours are not massive hot bumps, some of our beers. And, and, and there's no hiding place if, if it starts to age. So for me, I want to get one of our beers into your hands when, when a month or two months and... and thinking that most beers, by the time you ship it, it's probably three to four months before it gets in the hands. And I think Prancing Pony had had issues with, with their beers 
um, getting aged into the UK. So to me, that that is the complete number one driver. But two is you've got those relationships with the consumers, with the distributors out here, which can help grow our brand as well. We would like to thank Rallings Labels, Stickers and Packaging for sponsoring this edition of Beer is a Conversation. If you are looking for a more efficient way to package your small run, collaboration or special release beers, make sure you have your own conversation with the guys from Rallings Labels, Stickers and Packaging. They specialise in supplying ready-to-fill, shrink-sleeved cans or bottles to the craft beer industry. They take care of everything for you and take the pain out of packaging your special brews. If you would prefer a label or sticker on your cans or bottles, Rallings can help with this as well. Just give Paul or Brad a call on 1300 852 235 to discuss how they can help you. If you can't stop to write down that number right now, it's in the show notes with a link to their website. Obviously, putting beer on a ship and sending it halfway around the world isn't the most environmentally friendly thing. And I'm just sort of looking at your website, and you've uh, gone um, organic uh, with soil association accreditation. There's a consistent theme of um, environmental issues uh, around. And what we do see a lot of breweries talking about putting beer in cans and talking about the environmental impact, but then putting those on a ship and sending them halfway around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, we're sustainable manufacturer of the year in the UK, and it's difficult if someone had to argue with me. Well, why are you shipping your beer, you know, halfway around the world? It, you know, it, it was a difficult argument. So, you know, we 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 we, 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 we preach it, but we do it as well. And it's important, you know. We it, it's not just um, the wetland system we've got. Everything we do is recycled from animal feed. To, to yeast, and to, which goes to the pigs, to the to the hops that go to fertilizer, and plastic, bottle, um, cardboard, everything. Um, so you know, it is completely at the heart of what we do. So, yeah, I, I think justifying it being shipped around halfway around the world didn't make sense. It it, it is one of those betwixt and between things a little bit, though, isn't it? Because. Uh, I've had people who uh, you know, sort of get very upset when, for example, Peroni started being brewed over here, and they sort of said, "Oh, but I want to know that I'm drinking Italian water." And you're going, "Are you serious? You know, it's, you, you, you're drinking a lesser beer just because you want to drink Italian tap water that you wouldn't drink if you're in Italy anyway." Um, but it, it, it's it's an important part of the brand knowing that something's come from the place that the, the, the brand comes from, isn't it? Yeah, look, you've got to have the story and you've got to have the values. I, I, I've seen what Prancing Pony do here. I believe uh, what they do in terms of the quality and consistency. Uh, I know they're making exactly the same ingredients that we put in. You, you can match the water that we've got as well uh, by salts and calciums. So there's no issues with that. Their brew kit is exactly the same brew kit as ours. So, you know, I'm fully confident on that. Um, and they won't cut any corners. Um, we the feedback we've had of doing it, and I understand your your, your, your reservations around it. Um, Prancing Pony beers brewed by us have been really welcomed by the UK consumer, and we've done it. Th- we've done three brews now, mm. and there's no been no questions around that integrity at all. And, and it, it, I, I guess I'm delving a little bit more um, into the, 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 the philosophy of beer because, you know, wine is something that, you know, they talk about terroir, it's a postcard from where the grapes are grown. Beer, on the other hand, is something that can be, that can be made almost in a perfect facsimile wherever um, you, you, you want to make it. But then you start thinking about 
the inherent um, values of a brand or you know what what a brand then means uh, when, when it's around beer and I guess I was uh, really looking at some, some of those questions what does purity um, offer here and what does prancing pony offer uh, in, in the UK compared to beers that are made in South Australia by you know a, a well-known brewery or vice versa yeah I know and, and we're not looking to brew all our beers uh on license um, with this joint venture over here, we, we've, we've identified two beers that we'd like to work with um, Frank and Karina on. That's the Session IPA and Bunny Hop, which is an extra pale um, beer that we do. And we're just going to focus on two of their beers, which is Hobwork Orange and India Red Ale. Um, and, and yeah, look, I, 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 all I, I would say, uh, the consumer feedback we've had so far is they, they kind of believe the integrity of purity. They know us uh, and they've enjoyed drinking the, prank, the pony beers that we've sold into them. And they, they believe e- equally around our sustainability, not trying to ship it all the way halfway around the world. So, you know, they're definitely bought into that. So tell me a little bit about the the, the bunny hop because it's it, it, it sounds on uh, reading about it sort of right um, in the sweet spot for Australian beer, which has one of the largest uh, markets for mid-strength uh, beer, and it comes in at 3.5%. Um, and it's got, yeah. it, it sounds like it's a, a like you, you call it an extra hop pale ale, but is it like a, a fragrant summer ale style, or how would you describe it? Um, so, again, a bit of a question earlier on, really, what, what's happening with the market? We're seeing... Uh, less volume of, of beer being drunk, but better quality. And um, through hop utilization and by the use of oats, we put oats in to get a really good mouthfill at a three. So historically, a 3% or 3.5 beer in the UK didn't taste anything. It was just a multi beer that, that, that was made for something lots of. Um, through the kind of hop utilization we put in here and the oats, we can get a really nice mouthfill but some really interesting hop aromas and bitterness levels. So, yeah, it's not just a summer beer. It is very popular in the summer, for sure. But what we're seeing is a big change on drinking less volume but better quality. And that also means kind of more healthily, so not drinking. We don't have big high beer volumes in the UK like you would see probably in the States. And and, and to the extent I've seen it here, um, because of the duty cost of it as well. Exactly. Well, that's one of the things that's the you know, brewers have been gradually creeping down their ABV, um, and so big IPAs get punished. But reading about the IBU of fifty-five on Bunny Hop, it sounds like it's a it, it's a pretty charged beer. Um, at coming in at three and a half percent. Yeah, no, and I think it'll be perfect over here because you know one of the things I've seen in the tap room at the Pony is uh, is you've got a consumer coming and that wants a really refreshing beer. Most of them have to drive here, so they don't want to have a you know, a highly charged ABV beer because they can't drink much of it. So if they can have a couple of beers over 3.5, it's going to work. Cause most folk will drive here. Um, so, yeah, I, I think you know, the first one we're brewing with, with Frank and Karina is the session, and the next one will be the uh, the Bunny Hop. And I'm just looking at the the, the session up. Yeah, actually, I should ask: is the is the bunny hop the, the bunny hop isn't going to be um, a real ale um, on a gravity fed handle? No, 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 not over no. here. Keg, keg, keg. <laughs> no, no, keg. But both beers, session IPA is keg, and then we'll eventually go to packaged, uh, and and the bunny hop is going to be keg, and eventually go to packaged. So yeah. 
And the the, the session IPA uh, comes in at four and a half percent, and it's a Moorish gluten free session IPA. So that that sounds like interesting. Tell me about the process for making it gluten free. Is it uh, what they call um, uh, ancient grains, or is it uh, using a little bit of a modern in, in, um, brewing technology? Yeah, osmosis basically, uh, uh, which you can take out the gluten. Um, so through, through t- taking gluten out, I mean, I don't think you can do that in uh, Australia. I think to say something's gluten free, it has to be 100% no gluten in. It, we we can have a limit, I think, of 5% in the UK, so we can call it gluten free in the UK. Right. So I think what we're gonna we're gonna say in Australia, it's got limited gluten in. Yeah. Uh, okay. Low levels of gluten, but we don't we don't what we. What we've seen in the UK is you know, historically, you know, three or four years, I've got a retail, I've got a bar as well. And trying to find a good quality gluten-free beer was really difficult. They were, were pretty tasteless, not not very interesting. But you know, we, we, we've through this te- technology now, which you can strip out the gluten, um, you can you can get all the flavour as well. Um, so we don't lead saying it's gluten-free. It's a session IPA that is gluten-free, and and over in Australia, it's going to be with limited gluten in it. My understanding is there are a couple of ways to reduce the gluten, and one is the use of um, enzymes that essentially denature the. Yeah, it, 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 that, that's how we. I'm not a brewer, but um, that, that's how they do use enzymes to strip it out. Essentially. Yeah. Great. Sorry, I just sort of misunderstood uh, your, your, your earlier answer. So, when do you think though that you're brewing the session ale uh, IPA tomorrow? Is that going for Australian distribution? Yeah, no, I think, look, we're going to try it. Obviously, we want to kind of match it. Uh, and I'm hoping that will get into keg in the, in the next few weeks once it comes out of tank. And um, I'll, I'll come back to you in, in terms of when uh, it will be on sale uh, at the Pony uh, Tap Room, but it will be in, uh, in limited uh, availability in some of their other on-trade customers. So it's not going into package in terms of can or bottle. It's just going to be a keg, keg availability in, uh, initially. And how, um, just going back to the, the beers that you've made for, for Prancing Pony in the UK, how often are you uh, brewing those? Is it just uh, when Frank's over or do you have a remit to, to, to brew them uh, in his absence as well? <laughs> yeah, we got a remit. Yeah. <laughs> he, can't, he can't be over that often. I think, look, we, uh, uh, they, uh, Karina and Frank want us to represent them in Europe as well because we, we do export into Europe. So uh, we're... we're looking at a new canning line and the, the aim is in the new year uh 220 we were looking to put hot work and india red into keg and package and they will be hopefully permanently available so at the moment we probably do one a month of, of the hot work uh and, and going forward i think in the new year we're looking to have permanent availability of those two brands uh, in in the uk and hopefully uh on, on a wider distribution into uh Europe with, with um, maybe one-way keg and um, into cans. And just just to, before we finish up, um, one of the things that Karina said when she uh, said that you're in town and talking about the, the arrangement that you'd you'd come to, she said that it was a good fit for the. Um, I'm not sure if you're aware that this Friday in Australia there's a uh, Environmental Awareness Day that's uh, talking about no beer on yep. a dead planet. Um, what are some of the, the the key things that you think that brewers can do to reduce their footprint uh, on, on the environment? Well, first of all, I, I'm it's a shame I can't stay over a bit longer because I'll definitely be there for that. But you know, it, it, it's key. I mean, we, we can't ignore what's going on in the world, and, and it's plainly obvious to everyone in terms of global warming. So we all 
and uh, how small, large, or big you are, you've got to play your part in it. So uh, I think it's critical as a brewer um, if you can recycle spent grain, spent hops, the water, or your packaging, and, and, and you know, we, we um, if you, I mean, hopefully, with the amount of sun you get in, in Australia <laughs> using solar uh, uh, as well. So any way you can get your carbon footprint down you should be doing it and, and you know we're passionate about it and you know we, we've just um done a borehole as well um in, in the uk to uh, which we're matching at the moment we're just making sure we've got enough uh, volume of, of water out of it so and we're going to use that initially just for all our cleaning rather than use it for our brewing but um eventually if, if there's enough volume there we'll use it for our brewing as well Terrific. And I just only realised there is one other question that I really have to uh, to ask. You've got an Australian brewing connection. I believe that your partner's cousins uh, are in Brisbane and their son-in-law, if that's not too tenuous a connection, owns Brisbane's Newstead Brewing. <laughs> that's right. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm off to uh, meet Mark tomorrow and, and um, my, my partner's cousin. So, yeah, flying into Brisbane just for 30 hours and... Uh, um, yeah, often Newstead. I think they've got two brew pubs, I believe. I've, I've, I've not visited them, so really excited. I don't know anything about the brewery bar, what I've seen on the web. Well, I look, look forward to, to following up with you and finding out a little bit about it, but certainly enjoy Brisbane. It's going to be a lot warmer than uh, the 10 degrees you're experiencing in Adelaide. I'm, uh, <laughs> it, 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 it's very much uh, after sunset, still in the high 20s here. So, uh, yeah, bring some suntan and a pair of thongs. Fantastic. Well, I'll get the shorts and sandals will be on tomorrow. So, uh, Matt, look, really nice to speak to you. Perfect, Paul. Thank you very much for your time. And uh, I look forward to trying your beers both brewed over here and hopefully at uh, Purity Brewery in the UK one day. Uh, Yeah, yeah, Matt. And when when you come over, if you let me know, we'd be delighted to uh, show you around the brewery and take you to our tap room in Birmingham as well. Absolutely. Would love to do that. So, Paul Halsey, thank you very much for joining us on Beer as a Conversation. Cheers, Matt. Thank you. And that was Paul Halsey. Don't forget, if you like what we do at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show, either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You can find details in the show notes. You can review our podcast on iTunes or your favourite podcasting service. Let us know what you think and help others discover the show. Finally, you can tell us directly what you think by sending an email to producer at brewsnews.com.au. All letters received will receive a Brews News bottle opener. And thanks to our good friends at Beer Cartel, the letter of the week will receive a mixed six-pack of Australian craft beer. When Brews News cast and crew are buying online, we buy at Beer Cartel. We love hearing your thoughts on the stories we cover, because beer is a conversation. 